So it's exciting to talk about onboarding and offboarding. Recruiting is gonna be extremely important over the next few years. It's gonna be important from here on out. We're, our businesses are recruiting businesses no matter what. And that means we're gonna recruit a lot more people than are generally gonna make it. And you're gonna hear me talk in a few minutes about thinking ahead. We usually will hire three people to see one person make it. And that's just the way it works. Our business is also a recruiting business. So when we think about onboarding and bringing people on board, reminded of our statement of purpose. One of the values that we talk about or one of the principles we talk about is stewardship. So being good stewards of our resources and being accountable to our partners. Now, sometimes people get stewardship and frugality confused. Okay, do you know they're quite different, right? You know, stewardship is how we use our time, talent, and our treasure, which is our money, and how we operate our businesses. Frugality means something totally different. It means I'm just going to see if I can get somewhere on the cheap. I'm going to see how much money I can not spend on a certain endeavor. I was reminded a couple of days ago of a great example of this. I was uh, with a group of guys I meet with monthly, and you were talking about sports. We're talking about politics. We're talking about the co cost of gasoline. And everybody wants to talk about where they can find gasoline the cheapest. And you get a group of guys together and talking about, hey, well, I, I live in, you know, Brentwood. I drove all the way up to Eastern Nashville and I saved 25 cents. I've got a guy who's in Kentucky goes, that's, no, that's nothing. I drive from Bowling Green down to Franklin, Kentucky, and I saved 27 cents. And I'm thinking, this is really kind of interesting, right? So you're going to drive, you know, these are combustible engines, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm feeding the fire. You know, I'm like, hey, wh why would you, you know, tell me why would you do that? Why would you drive 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, burn gasoline to come back and say you can save 25 cents a gallon? That's just what guys do, right? That's what they do. There's a difference in being, in, in being a good steward and being frugal. Being a good steward might be, yeah, it's important for me to go to Costco, which is two minutes away and save 50 or 60 cents. But driving across town, that's frugal and that's stupid, right? It just doesn't work. So one of the things that is as leaders, we're going to spend most, invest most of our money, most of the company's money, most of our time is going to be on hiring people. So whether your business is five people or like ours, 50 people, that's going to be where you spend your time. And it's important to have the right frame of mind, I believe, in order to pull that off and make it work. So I thought I'd give you a little bit of a, a little bit of history. I came on board with thinking ahead years ago. It was called Southwestern Business Resources. And it was a really unique company. We had all these different leaders. Everybody did their own thing, very entrepreneurial. You're going to start, you're running your own business. And what we found out over time is there were no systems, really, unless you worked with a certain manager who had systems. And you had a, a, another leader who had systems, but they weren't very organized. And you had one who had no standards when it came to letting people go. They just kept them a long, long time. And therefore, their profits were never that good. And you had a, a, another really good steward over here who really led by the numbers. And there was all of this tension going on with how we, how we led and ran the company. And you can imagine, it was not a fun time to be in the business, even though we were profitable and successful, because the standards were not the same. They were not shared and embraced by everyone on the team. It caused a lot of heartache over time. So uh, as, as things changed and as people moved on, as we had the Great Recession, as we had the, the I guess, the, the dot-com bubble, we saw people move on and the company kind of right-sized itself over time. And we had this core. We had the, the committed core that stuck with us. 
we've developed what I believe would be are some really solid best practices that we have employed. They're very basic, very simple. But I think if you use them or at least grab a hold of some of them, they'll help you in your business. So let me share a couple of ideas with you real quick. So let's go through some of this. We decided to, to make it, it is really important when Greg and I were entrusted with the company is to standardize all of our processes. We thought it made a lot of sense to, to, to go in and do that. So from recruiting, uh, the collaterals we put together needed to look unique, but they needed to be uniform for the entire company. Not this, hey, you know, I'm going to send out what I want to send out. Our group does something different. It was standardized across the board. We had a defined interview plan that we felt like was really important. We wanted to make sure that, hey, everyone is getting interviewed. Are they getting interviewed correctly? Is there a way to evaluate that talent other than just the interview questions? We came up with a predictive index that we used that we felt like was important. Three most important principles that we need to hire for when we interview new people for our company. It's are they humble? Are they hungry? And are they smart? And what we found was really important is we would get each person on our team, again, standardizing the process. I want you to interview for humble. I want you to interview for hungry. I want you to interview for smart. And once we're done, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Does this person have those three things? They can be humble. They can be smart. But if they're not hungry, they will make it. Similarly, people think smart is book smart. It's not IQ. It's are they self-aware? Are they people smart? Are they street smart? Gives you great questions to ask. So put this in your toolkit as a good way to, uh, to spruce up your interviews. You'll be glad you did. Let me use a phrase that may not make sense for you, but in our business, we are a phone sales business. And so when I say put them on the phone, what I mean is whatever you do and you're training someone or you're interviewing someone, let them feel the work. You know, it may not apply for every one of your jobs, all of your opportunities. If by putting them on the phone, making, making them do the presentation, whatever it is you do as you build your sales organization, if they can't do it then, they're not going to want to do it later. They're just not. But if you see somebody come back from that exercise excited, energized, that'll show up. All right. Training. We felt like it was extremely important. Again, back in the day, back in the Southwestern Business Resources days, some people trained. Others didn't. It was some was haphazard. Others were very, very organized. And it probably wouldn't surprise you, those that were very organized, their salespeople did the best. So we standardized all of our training, realizing every partner may have their unique ability and we'll want to train them a little bit different on the trade, on the, the, the niche, because we have one set of partners that recruits lawyers. That nuance is different from somebody who recruits bankers, which is also different from someone who recruits in the life sciences practice. So we want to standardize everything we did and realize that the uniqueness of the practice would get sorted out as they worked with that key person the vernacular, what's different about our space for the others. But how we approach someone, how we, uh, how we do an interview, how we profile someone, that's going to remain the same across the board. And that really helped us. It built a lot of confidence in the people coming in. It also built a lot of confidence in the partners and the leaders who are now having this new person come on board. They had the tools and the toolkit. They didn't have to train them from the jump. And that was also something that was important. The other thing that we decided along the way is let's define the key performance indicators and let's not only manage to that, but lead that. In our business, at thinking ahead, it's how many phone calls are you making? How much time are you spending on the phone? How many business development calls are you making? How many profiles are you making? 
And so we really get our new people starting out. And you need to to define this for you. What are the KPIs at the beginning that you need to lead your people to achieve? It's going to be different for all of our companies, right? Because we're all very unique. But in the first 90 days, it has to be around activity. So what are your KPIs as people start? You've got to be in the trenches showing them how to do it and being willing to do it yourself. All right. This is something I think is really unique. This is something that's, 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 that we designed a few years ago, and it's called the success dashboard. And so we really felt like for people to get liftoff early on, they must know the expectations. They have to know what, what is going to be asked of me each month on the job. What does it take? What does it show? What, what things must I do in order to be successful? Quantitative measures. Focus the first 90 days or on what we call the quantitative measures of the business. And it's very, very objective. So that when you have to have those difficult conversations with people about what's going on, it's not subjective. Here are the numbers. Here's what you turned in last month. Here's what's going on in your business. When we counsel someone out of, out of thinking ahead, it's usually never a surprise. They know it's coming because of this. Now, I am thankful for my Southwestern heritage. It was the most important time of my life. And I know one of our mottos is that we, uh, we build people and they build our company. That is, I think that is one of the best things about what we do. You also have to be mindful. You can keep people too long if they're not performing. Having your key performance indicators, having a success dashboard, having those monthly reviews will avoid the surprises. All right. A couple other things I want to mention. First 90 days, we impart on someone, all we're worried about you is, is developing the habits of being successful. You know, whatever you define for your businesses, once they get that down, you know, they're going to be fine. We do a, uh, we do a 90 day, I, I hate to call it review, but it's important that you sit down with new people. We think it's important to sit down with new people at the end of 90 days and 180 days and give them a very honest assessment as to where things are. When you sit down with someone and you give them their review and you say, hey, what are your goals going to be for the next 90? That's extremely powerful. If that person's not hitting the work goals in 90 days, chances are they're not going to hit the work goals in the next 90 days. And so we have to have conversations with them about that. The key performance indicators, define those for your company. Second 90 days, it's the same. We, we look at a, a different set of key performance indicators. Now, earlier I talked about objectivity versus subjectivity. Uh, I'm oftentimes asked, you know, when you, when you, when you're evaluating people, is there a subjective nature to it at all? And the answer to that is, yeah, there are times when people don't hit all of their work numbers, but they're catching on and they've made, they've turned in revenue. They, they're showing signs of, of improving, showing signs of getting there. You know, do you say, Hey, because you just missed one number one month, you're out. No, but being objective is the, is the, is paramount. I think that's the way you want to, you want to look at the numbers and lead that person to those numbers. There'll be times that you have to make the tough call. Hey, this person's turning in some revenue numbers, but their work habits are atrocious. And I can tell you over time, that person won't make it. And then we get to make the decision after each time period. Hey, does this person need to be on a business improvement plan? We know in our business, in six to nine months, if a person's gonna make it. Look at those numbers and, and figure that out. But you can't teach desire where you can't teach want to can't teach want to person can be smart 
they can they can have uh, the right score in their predictive index. When they get out in the territory doing what they do, you can't teach desire. They come to us with that grit. Okay. One of the most powerful things that we use in our business is a business improvement. This is a written, defined, no ambiguity plan for a person quarter to quarter. Usually you don't have to put together a business improvement plan, but in the half the time where people are making it or they're not going to make it, you have to have that tough conversation. You want to make sure you have a written plan of what the expectations are. It talks about, hey, if you, if you don't hit these numbers, we're going to need to help you find excellence elsewhere. Hey, that maybe this isn't the right career for you. When you have a business improvement plan, it needs to be really clear, clearly stated in it. Here's the expectation in the next 90 days. Should you not hit those things, we're going to need to talk about what's next. Do you hurt a person by doing that? You don't. You only help the person. I firmly believe, and, I, and I've learned this from two great mentors in the search business, you do the right thing for the person in the organization when you are authentic and you're honest with them about what's going on in their situation. So do the right thing for the person in the organization. I want to leave you with this. There's a coach at the University of North Carolina named Anson Dorrance. Let me tell you who Anson Dorrance is. He's coached the Lady Hills, Tar Hills, for 40 two years as their soccer coach. Let's think in for a second. Here's his statistics. 1,100 wins in 42 years, an over 90% winning percentage. Think about how hard that is to do in, in any sport, but in soccer, 90%. In his 42 years, they started the NCAA championships, 31 of those years. The Lady Hills have won 21 out of 31 national championships. So they asked him, okay, hey, what's your secret? You, you're, you're getting the best players to come to North Carolina. Well, up the road, Duke is getting a lot of five-star players. Stanford, Florida State, all these great women programs. He said, we get really good players who come here and they play into our system. And when, when questioned about it, he said, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's our core values, the expectations we set. We make sure that if a person is not performing, giving it their best, we let them know we're going to help them find success elsewhere. And the reason they do that is the impact on the team that's there. I have been on teams where poor performance, especially poor effort, was accepted. And what impact do you think that had on that team? It kills the teams. It kills morale. Why should I give it my all if someone else isn't? I've also worked on teams before where if you didn't work hard, you were, you were asked to leave. You were asked to find excellence elsewhere. And so... As we grow our teams, if I leave you with anything, if there are people in your organization that are not hitting the numbers that they need to hit, and it's not all just about pure numbers. It's about doing their best. It's about showing up for work every day, doing what you're supposed to do inside of your system. You're going to hurt your organizations if you don't help them find success elsewhere. And there's a, there's a, there's a professional way to do it. It's right up front. Here's the expectations. Here's what's going to happen the first 90 days. Here's what's going to happen the next 90 days. And once they take off, they do really well. If they don't, then you have a way of offboarding them in a professional way and creating that expectation early on. If people are in your organization and they're not giving it their best, help them find success elsewhere.